Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I am joined by guest Hannah Burson. Hannah, welcome to the show. Hi, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Just for context, could you let people know who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, as Jonathan mentioned, I'm Hannah Burson, and I am the founder and CEO of a company called Salt Collaboratory. And I help my clients integrate new ways of working, like design thinking, and in certain cases, OKR frameworks, into their work by either training them in these tools and methods or integrating this way of working into my consulting work with them. And of course, everything is remote and digital. So I use digital visual collaboration software and platforms to help me do that work. Perfect. And we started, this actually started as a thread inside of the group coaching community. And you have a problem that I have never stumbled across before, uh, sort of a three-party pricing problem. Uh, a lot of peas in there. Three-party pricing problem. <laughs> Picked a pickled pepper. Um, exactly. And... It will, it's something that I thought would be best tackled in a real-time conversation like this. Uh, of course, then we'll change the names to protect the innocent, uh, but this will be, this. I'm actually looking forward to this. I, I don't, I, I'm going to just be upfront. I don't know if I'm going to come up or we're going to come up with a great solution to this situation, but uh, hopefully we can at least figure out what the motivations between the different parties are. Great. Um, cool. Okay. With all of that throat clearing out of the way, um, can you summarize for us or would you rather have me? I can do it if you'd rather, but if, could you no, summarize? I'm happy for... to, yeah, I'm happy to take a stab at it and you can, um, you know, infuse any clarifications that you think we need. But basically, um, I use and actually partner with um, a software company that of late has developed um, a very highly capable, almost digital whiteboard technology. So it's a digital visual collaboration platform, and I use it all the time with my clients so that I can do design thinking exercises and workshops with them. They can contribute virtual sticky notes. We can move things around. It's, it's very, very elegant and useful. And I am very connected to members of the company. It's a, one of these companies that's growing really quickly. And what they did recently to help their enterprise clients get more familiar with the software and start to use it more productively in their own companies is they pulled people like me from around the world, it's a global program, into almost like an expert network program where we're members of their extended team with deep skills in the actual platform and we are asked to or invited to provide services to their clients as part of this overall program. So why don't you fix what I tried there? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's really good. That was really good and 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 not particularly novel yet. So uh, I'm going to translate that into some specifics for folks. Um, so here's one example. I used to be a a, a well-known FileMaker developer. I was in the FileMaker space. FileMaker is a, a different kind of platform to what you're describing, but it's the mm -hmm. similar. It's a similar concept where there's a company who has a particular business model that, at least with FileMaker, was basically about selling license, you know, seat licenses back then. It still is, I suppose, but but back then it was that was their business model, and and they had just like you said uh, with this platform that you're uh, associated with, they have 
an expert network, kind of like like uh, vetted developers. They had a certification program that you would have to pay to go through, and then you'd be certified uh, in the current version of the software. And people who needed expertise in uh, operating the platform, doing you know maybe building FileMaker solutions or fixing FileMaker solutions or troubleshooting them, uh, they would go to this FileMaker network or directory and they would search usually for people near them that were the most highly certified or whatever it just felt like they fit and 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 that was it and then the 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 client would contact the consultant directly so so filemaker wasn't really a middleman in this situation they were just mm-hmm. the sort of one-stop shop for all things filemaker and uh, and of course, there, if there was some other directory of FileMaker developers, it wouldn't have had the same cachet as the company itself who had the certification program, you know, kind of the Microsoft model. Right. Um, and so it, and so that was, you know, that's going, they still do this, I know, but, you know, that's this is going back to like 2003, 2004, 2005, and it was a, a sort of a shrink wrap software product. So it's feels very different to nowadays. But I do know from working with students that, the same concept like i have a student who's uh in your shoes but with marketo i have another one who's in your shoes but with netsuite i have another one who has done this with Airtable. i know i have a colleague who's done the exact same thing with notion i have an uh someone who i work with who's done the exact same thing with squarespace in the early days but normally these relationships are like i described where the platform just creates a directory and then the the matchmaking is done not through the platform, but just directly. So the, the the clients reach out to someone in the directory based on whatever criteria is important to them. And the, the platform's not getting in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of the times the platforms charge the experts to be in the network. and, uh, and it, But even if they don't do that, they're certainly not... Um, trying to think of I mean basically what's in it for them if they don't try and turn it into a revenue stream or create a a high barrier to entry by having a certification program or something and they just have this directory of more or less maybe casually vetted experts or invite only experts all they're really doing is increasing the odds that the that the software will be adopted and successful for the clients so their main motivation let's just say there's no money involved between the expert and the platform. Mm-hmm. Their main motivation is just customer success. Um, and, and in some, at least with FileMaker, and I'm sure with some of these others, if, the, if you are a, a shop that does Notion, makes a living teaching people how to do Notion or Gatsby or Airtable or Marketo or NetSuite or AWS, if, if that's your job, that's how you make money, you are automatically going to be operating almost as like an outside unpaid salesperson for the platform. Because you're going to be running around saying, oh, I can, teach, you know, buy my Notion course or I can buy my Notion consulting services or, you know, let me set up Airtable for you or QuickBooks Online, whatever it is. So now your, so now, but your situation has a different, the incentives, the financial incentives are totally different in your situation. So could you describe the financial incentives that you're facing and then we can try and untangle if it even makes sense or if it might if the platform might actually be shooting themselves in the foot right so in this situation um what happens is a client who is an enterprise client of the platform i'm working with is told welcome to the platform we're excited to have you 
If you have any questions or if you need some expertise to help you design a template or facilitate a workshop, or if you just need some coaching, we have some packages for you. And you can let us know if you need this kind of support and we will subsidize those words, but basically we'll cover it for you. If you need an hour of coaching, if you need a bit of help with the template, if you need something bigger like co-facilitation, let us know. We're, we're so invested in having you not just pay for the platform, but actually use it. We will make this group of experts available to you. And when you submit your request, we will process it on our side and we will match you to an expert and you'll agree on the scope of the work that you're doing and they will deliver it for you. Okay, this and is enjoy so, the service. so bizarre. So what, and, and let me let me kind of sh explain why this seems so weird to me. Um, there's a number of reasons, but basically they're kind of, they're halfway in between the sort of directory style expert network thing that I, I listed off mm -hmm. all these other examples of. They're halfway in between that on the one end and a white level services division on the other end. Right. And I will say, you know, like I said, this is this is a new and growing company. They do have a directory style environment. Um, and I'm a little bit later to that party, but apparently my company is considered in their relaunch that they're doing later this year, one of their VIP or whatever word they're going to use partners so i will and the my company will be featured in the directory style as are several others who do the kind of work that i do with their platform so they have that i will also say that that model of people like me are out there essentially promoting their product because i'll have clients come to me saying can you do this work with me and i just come with the platform and often my clients will say oh that was awesome can i get that platform and so I do have an agreement with them. I have a partnership agreement with them where we do referral revenue if if it's a thing. Yeah, like an affiliate so, program. So they're kind of they're sort of doing all of it, but this this particular program, and I don't know how long the timeline is or, or when the money runs out for it, but this particular program, I think, without getting into their heads, is to really try to showcase the the depth and capability of the platform. Because if you think about a whiteboard platform and translating analog into a digital, you can imagine people adding some sticky notes and it looks fine. But this platform is far richer than that. It has a library of templates. It has those who are far more artistic than me can literally create works of art in yeah. it for their workshops. So I think they're really trying to um, you know, light a fire under the platform in these global clients so that people really adopted. I mean, I don't know about you, but I imagine anybody in any company today hears about a new platform for something almost every day. I do. I just got the mm -hmm updates. And I mean, there's just, there's so many options. How do you stand out? Sure. Yeah, um, no doubt. No doubt. Right. I just think their solution is bizarre, or at least this piece of it, because it it it's it's not white label. It's not a white label services division where they would bring you in. So like, let's uh, just to make sure it's clear what I mean by this, let's say they they have the platform, they, they offer the platform, and then and they have some ideas in the future about but having a services arm in addition to the platform. So it, it would be a uh, perhaps non-trivial line of business for them. 
<laughs> Let's say you snap your fingers and and the platform is well adopted and there's a lot of demand for services. It wouldn't be crazy to imagine that they would um, try and bring the talent, either bring it in-house or white label a bunch of people who they, they trust because they can't hire fast enough. They, right. There could be a phase where they try and take, you know, a, a corral a bunch of experts from the field, from their expert network who have, who they know have delivered good results and, and bring them in and present them as if they are employees of the company of, you know, the platform and just have a services arm where the, the platform company would say, would, would say to the client, Oh, you know, thank you for reaching out to us. You need some kind of project done, or you need some kind of training, or you need some sort of setup or configuration or whatever, you know, process, uh, optimization, you need this service based on top of this platform. And we, we bring in, you know, Hannah to the meeting. So the three parties are all sitting in the room, but you're essentially their employee. You're essentially an, acting as an employee of the platform. And as a group, you would have the whole sales conversation okay. and, and it would really be up to, you know, if you, if you imagine the hourly billing model, then the conversation would revolve mostly around scope and, and then you, you know, everybody collaboratively would get a, you know, agree to some amount of hours. Probably it would take to do the tasks or whatever the, the client needs done. And there would be some, uh, you know, industry standard market rate by the hour for this, these sort of services. But all of those things would be set by the platform. The platform would decide those things. So it's almost like an agency model bolted onto a SaaS. Right. And I think that that's essentially how they're working it. You know, when they tell me, well, we, we generally pay, pay people in this network X amount for a template or X amount for an hour of coaching, many players in the network, I think, are quite happy to operate that way. But you've done a number of me and I will not <laughs> operate that way anymore. And I won't do the hourly thing. And so I'm a bit of a problem child in their and not, I mean, I work well with them and they I don't think they see it that way. But when I was going through this, oh, I see your prices, but I think that what I'm providing this particular client of yours is of higher value than what's represented in these numbers. Yes, he wanted a template, but I ended up showing him different ways of thinking about his problem. I ended up introducing him to design thinking tools and methods. I, instead of building one template, I built five. You know, it, we agreed that this was a bespoke thing and that I'm not playing off the rate card anymore. But then the challenge came, and this is what I was asking you. Okay, I, they agree I'm bespoke. That's lovely. What's the number? Okay. So yeah. And this is the complication. So right. let's, so we've been speaking sort of in general about the model. Let's talk specifically about the situation. So now if I, if I remember correctly, you know, stop mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong. Okay. You, you had already been working with a client and then this discussion came up with the platform about. Well, the, right. So the platform paired me with the client to get started okay. and the request, what happens is when a client requests the service, they check a box for what they think they want. Mm -hmm. so this particular client checked a box and said, I want a template, because that's what they thought they wanted. And But right. you are, within the context of the program, allowed to have that first conversation and come back and say, 
I think it's a different service. Okay, quick so question. I did it. Mm-hmm. Does in that moment you you said that the platform paired you with the client, but did they do that? Did that happen? The mechanics of that were they that the client went to the website, did a search for people that did templates, and then found your name and contacted you directly, or do they send a contact? Or does is the platform really mediating it much more than that? Like they're getting the platform like a- is mediating it much more. The platform is is accepting all incoming requests. Incoming requests don't go directly to anybody except Mm -hmm. the platform. The platform is reviewing the request and then looking at the experts and saying, oh, I think this request would work well, in my case, for Hannah. Mm -hmm. And so I got that. I've actually been sitting on, not that it bothered me because I was busy, but I was sitting on their bench in inverted commas for a while because they would get a lot of requests that they knew were not a fit for my but this one they thought was a good starting point and this is my first engagement with them which is mm-hmm. why i have so many questions okay and then so what happened next so they 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 put you in platform connects you and then the initial there must have been an initial meeting of some kind who was right. in that meeting just me and the client the platform was not in the meeting okay so that that is where that is where the white label thing kind of disappears. Like that's, they kind of drop the ball. If they're really going for a white label kind of thing in the future, I'm not saying they are, but right. if they were, they would want to be in that meeting to start yeah. to control, like to be the, to be the provider. You know what I mean? If they're not in right. the meeting, they're. And you know, my sense with them, again, I'm not in the room where it happens with their board and all of that, but my sense is that their growth trajectory is is license related rather than consulting they could they may evolve over time but up until now it's been they're in growth mode they just recently actually made the platform available for free to everybody on the planet at least for an introductory bite of the apple of course if you wanted all the enterprise services and stuff you'd still be getting a license but they have really lowered the barrier to entry for the general population. And they're very, as I understand it, focused on, you know, growing their enterprise client base through the license model. So I think the consulting services in the grand scheme of things is probably not a big enough part of the business to warrant attention, is my guess. Yeah, probably true. That that It would be weird for that to be happening for them to be thinking strongly about that at this phase. Exactly. They're too early. Yeah. Okay. So let's just assume for the sake of discussion that they are not planning on doing that. And they really are just trying to maximize customer success, especially in the enterprise clients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So, and, and they have already done the expert network thing and vetted people and they're vetting, you know, and they're, they're, they're sort of vetting the incoming requests to kind of, increase the odds that they're going to pair, make good pairs. And now they're like, okay, but we want to go even a step more. How can we spend more money to increase enterprise success even more? How do, how do we increase the stickiness at this, at this point at this critical juncture? And, and so they're, they're subsidizing, they're yeah. trying to find a way or they're, they, they think they've found a way to subsidize the cost to the enterprise client for any of these add-on services. What, what's, and, and, I, and like, okay, I, that seems reasonable as well. Where it gets weird for me is who is allowed, 
like how much the, the, where it gets weird is them deciding how how do they decide how much to pay right so and they need to have some kind of control on how much money because let's mm-hmm. just say let's say say they had no controls on the budget and let yeah. and let's say you knew that and let's say that the the client comes to you and says hey we need a template and you say well what are you really trying to accomplish and they say some things and it's like well you're right you do need a template but that's only going to get you so far why don't i you know show you this giant bunch of stuff i can do for you it's all free because the platform's going to pay for it so why not take it all and they say great sounds good so then you start doing these like million dollar engagements on a regular basis because the client doesn't care they're not making a buying decision and and then the platform's on the hook for it so you, you can imagine that the platform needs to have some you know some coo or cfo somewhere was like no way are we paying exactly for the clients to do this we need to put some kind of controls on it so now explain explain how the how are those controls being implemented as far as you can tell um so you're right that and again i'm i think i'm a problem child not the <laughs> only one but you're, you're right that there are i some sort of unwritten rule but definitely a level of understanding between the person who runs this expert network and people in the network of more or less what compensation looks like. So if you're going to design a template, it's X hundred dollars. If you're going to do coaching for an hour, it's Y hundred dollars or whatever. And most people operate within that range. So the platform is essentially, or essentially, there are set prices for certain there, things. There are, <clears throat> there are set prices. And if you come... If you come back to them as I did and said, you know, excuse me, I'm, I know I'm just doing a template, but look, I taught design thinking as part of this template, or, you know, I added these resources. I was able to have a conversation with one of their senior people who I've known for a while to say, look, I, I think I'm I'm coloring out of the lines here a little bit. Can you can you meet me? And for this particular piece of work that I've done, I, I will be compensated a little above the rack rate for it. Okay. So, okay. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You can. So in, in the first meeting where the platform wasn't there and you're talking to the client, what was the, was the client sitting there knowing they weren't going to have to pay for anything or what there was, their expectation was that you're free. Their expectation was that I was free. And I think while I did this pretty soon after that first or even second call, I could already tell that this was more than just you know, translate this framework that I want to use into a template, right? That's that's easy for me to do. This was, here's a framework I want to use. And I said, well, let's discuss it and see how you would use this particular platform to do it. And it ended up being more than that. So I let my counterpart at the platform company know that I think I'm going to color out of the lines. And they said, okay, I'm going to categorize you as a bespoke engagement. We'll talk some more. So I went back at it. And said, fine, you know, we're we're cool here. I'm going bespoke on this whole thing and ended up doing quite a bit more work and getting a request from the client after what was going to be one set of workshops that went into two to now help with a third overall product strategy effort, which is going to be a series of workshops and a lot more work. Mm-hmm. And I went back again and I said, are you sure? You want me to do this? And the answer again was yes. But they, but they, but you didn't say to them how much it was going to cost. But I didn't say how much. Okay. Because when it came to the how much, that was where I got a little bit stuck trying to think through value pricing. 
Mm-hmm. Because the value to the end client, I can probably figure out how to price with some of the learn your lines and all of that. that mm-hmm. I've gotten mm-hmm. But the value to the platform company is a different conversation. Totally. Right. And it's like, oh, this is so wild. I know. And there's no way, there's no way to have the conversation with the client as long as they assume they're getting it all for free. Exactly. They're just nothing. gonna Yeah. Because you essentially got a blank check, although I'm sure we will find out that it is not completely blank. It's not blank, right. Yeah. But essentially but I, that's how the client is operating. They're operating like they have a blank check. They like you. If they saw the smallest return on their time investment, they're never gonna stop. So, right, but I will say that this particular client, and I haven't pushed on this, although this may end up where we go, this particular client, I said to, to him, you know, as this moves forward, if it didn't work out to go through the platform, would you want to go direct? Mm-hmm. Because the platform doesn't have a problem with that. They're, they're there to support people like me as well. They want my business to grow. Everybody's boat rises in the situation. And this client, the end client, I think would be happy to find some budget and pay me directly if that was what we needed to do. He still wants the work. Okay, so this this creates a this creates an interesting uh, a novel idea in my head, okay. where it's kind of like reverse of like a health insurance deductible in the U.S. Where where this could be, um, I mean, you you clearly sense that there is potentially a lot of money to be made here uh, because of the the specifics of the situation. And, and you're right. I think you're right. So what's really wild about this is for, for something bespoke, which you clearly have been able to get approved, like it's okay to do bespoke stuff. And maybe you'll even make a name for yourself as someone who does these bespoke things and isn't the person who's just going to do a, a cheap one-off template. So when they get a really premium client, you know, Bank of America or something, you know, some really big company comes through, Amazon wants wants some stuff, then it's like, all right, we need Hannah because we know that she's the most likely to really, really get them infected with the platform, you know, like, like mm-hmm. really build a lot of lock-in. So, you know, build a whole bunch of systems on top of it and have them love it. Giant success. They can't imagine running remote employees without it and so forth. So you could become in, in the platform's mind, the best person to kind of um, plug, oops, plug the uh, platform into these really big enterprise clients. So let's just say you're positioned that way and they only match you up with people who are, regardless of what they're asking for, are the kinds of companies that are probably going to be enormous uh, enormous clients for them. Then let's say that, that the deal with the client, so the platform offer to the client is we will pay for the first, call it $100,000 of consulting training, consulting, coaching, whatever, whatever you call it, uh, we'll pay for the first hundred thousand dollars. And we think you should work with Hannah, but then you and them, now you can have a value conversation with them. They basically have a coupon now. So, so they're going to say, all right, well, we can probably keep it under a hundred thousand or maybe it's 50,000 or 10,000, whatever it is. And, and what's amazing about this is it creates a zero risk way for the client to fall in love with you. And then when they exceed that cap, they just start paying you directly. And then you don't have, and then, so now the platform is happy because they, they have controls. You know, the CFO is happy because they have controls on the maximum bleed for these client subsidies. The, the customer's happy because they didn't have to pay for that first hundred thousand dollars of amazing yeah. work. And, and you, and it's, 
it's money. It's a pile of money that was given to them by someone else, but they still have to, they still, a value conversation will still work on them because no, it's essentially right. their money at that point. I like the way you think. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this because the reason why, and I think this is helpful for the platform company and um, who, who I, like I said to you, I work very closely with and everybody's trying to support everybody here. But what I do like about this is the platform company is under the scrutiny, as you can imagine, of investors. And it's all about growth. And so it's important to them to have a good count for the number of projects in their program. And so, you know, for this third project, for example, as much as they can, they try to keep in their program. But you're right, I, they don't have a mechanism for how to, you know, my, my counterpart was telling me there's another expert who, you know, has developed a, a set of a nine month set of workshops. And I'm thinking, holy, that must like use up a ton of your budget. So I, I know they're trying to do it, but for them, it's still painful, I imagine, to hold, to keep growing their numbers if some of those projects end up being these bigger ones. But I think, I think this notion of the, the deductible or coupon notion or whatever it is that you're, you're floating could be really helpful to them and to the end client who, you're right, would get some sort of discount, but is fine and has budget, <laughs> has to probably spend it by the end of the year, right? So, um, so I think it's a very interesting way for everybody to get a car to, um, to quote Oprah. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it feels like every in, in that model, all the incentives are aligned and and the risks to any individual person are so the thing are, are minimized so that our the risks to any individual party are minimized the the thing that is so awkward about what f the, the way that i understood the conversation or the, the the dilemma in the first place was creating this situation where the the only <laughs> the work that was being done could be could only be valued by one party, but that party wasn't paying. The other person had to approve the budget. So it was like, uh, they're never going to approve it because they don't, they're not, because the well, benefit that they're getting is a different benefit than what you're providing. It's still benefit. That's the thing that's important, which is what's, what's interesting about this coupon idea. There's clearly benefit to them to having the um, building the experience, the tool library, whatever you want to call it, and, and capturing and saying to investors, you know, we're running this program and our engagement with our enterprise clients grew by X percent across however many number of these enterprise projects or these expert network projects that we had. It's a good thing to have a lot of activity when you're guessing in this phase of, of growth. But but it's it's not. I mean, as bottomless as the pit seems to be, a, can't possibly be a bottomless pit. Um, and so, you know, opting out of what I'm hearing from the platform is we want we want to still be part of the third deal of yours. But I could hear in the person's voice, we understand that you know your compensation is important, and we might not be the right people for it. So I, I like the the elegance of this construct where. We openly discuss what's going on. The client knows that they're getting a break. You know, the platform company knows that they get to keep the project, and and I have a lovely time too. Yes, right. And I would, and from a from a, um, I don't know if it would be necessary to set the mechanics of it up like this, but the way that I would imagine the invoicing to happen, I would imagine 
you having a sales conversation, doing the why conversation with the client, coming to an agreement about, you know, sending a proposal. These are th three prices, three options. They pick an option and then they almost like expense it to the platform and you're not even in the middle of it. To me, well, that's that's the way the motivation should work. the whole thing to the platform. Sends the, well, they would just say, yeah, they would just say, you know, here's yeah. a, I mean, I think, I think we can look at that. I'm, I'm from what I know about the platform, I, it, it would probably disappear somewhere because this is definitely, you know, a growth mode situation. So it might, that might be too complex for them, but, but I can definitely see, you know, because the, the partners on all sides here are, you know, very reasonable, kind, supportive people of each other. There's no um, adverse adversarial relationships here. Everybody just wants to help everybody. It's lovely. So I can I can see a good conversation and you know as simplified a, a construct as possible. So how okay, so let's let's if if it doesn't work like that though, if it works, well tell me how you think it would work. Like what are the actual mechanics? Like are you saying like a the client would approve Greenlight, a proposal that you sent, and then you would invoice the platform. Yes, which is what I do today. Today I invoice the platform. Okay, so, so I would. So here's what I don't like about that. Okay, here's what I don't like about that. If you to to get some of the magic that I was talking about earlier, where the client gets to fall in love with you at no risk, the thing that I love about that, if they were paying you directly and getting reimbursed by the platform, then you're already set up in their system and. They don't have to make any changes to go direct with you. You're not going to have to go through a giant procurement thing way later. And to be able to, not not that it's not it's not insurmountable to do it later, but it would be so nice to get that taken care of when, at a point in time when when there's you know when they're really excited to get you in because they don't ultimately have to pay for it. Well, I, what I would think about since I've already kind of floated the idea of going direct with this customer with this client is that if we were all transparent about it, then I would bill the platform and I would bill the client for the portion not covered by the platform. So I send out two invoices, everybody pays their share because they understand, you know, the, the end customer realizes that they're not paying the full amount because they had that coupon. So you're suggesting that you would, that, that the platform deal would, would be something like we'll pay 50% of everything up to yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, that that solves my problem then. Yeah. I think I think I would just send out two invoices. Mm -hmm. Okay. That solves my problem, and it does make it easier for the other two parties. So I do like yeah. that. That's a good solution. And I like the transparency of it. You know, um, where everybody understands you know, why we're here in the first place. You know, it's no secret what the platform is trying to do and how to grow and that it's trying to grow. And so I think I think in in an honest, I mean. Sometimes, which is why I'm I'm a disciple, right? I'm I come into this world even though I'm old and I've been in management consulting for years and all that. I still feel like I'm I, I have an innocence about me in terms of how the game is played. But I do think that with these particular partners, you know, we all understand our incentives. We all understand what we're doing, and we're collaborating for a good outcome for everybody. Yeah, great. I mean, that's what how, that's. That's how you want it. <laughs> so the, the other thing I like about this percentage up to a cap approach mm -hmm. is that the client does have some skin in the game from the beginning. It's just de-risked and it's a le less painful. 
uh, yeah. if they're only paying 30% or 50% or it's just some portion of it and, uh, and they're being subsidized. And then if the paperwork is, is just sent direct by you, then, you know, that's, that makes it easier. Um, it does mean obviously you're not afraid of this clearly, but in, in other situations, I know, you know, people are like, oh, I sent this invoice, but it never got paid. You know, so for example, um, you agree with the client that the project is going to be $50,000 paid hundred percent upfront. You send them an invoice for 25,000. You send the platform an invoice for 25,000. The client pays the platform, drags their feet 90 days net, and then it doesn't come. And then now you've done all this work and the project's over and you're still waiting for the platform to pay you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, in this particular scenario, I'm, I'm not worried about, I mean, they're, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about not getting paid. And I think the part that I am not so much worried about is I'd have to think through the language in, in the proposal to that the proposal goes to the end client kind of CCing the platform almost where that arrangement in those three options also needs to be clear. I think you almost need everybody involved at some level. I mean, I would author. I don't love that. So how do you, how would you, you would do the proposal as this, these are the numbers and then afterwards describe who's, who's covering what part of it? No, I, I no that that's getting, starting to get way too squishy for me because now the, okay. now the, the platform has control over the decision. I don't want the platform to have control over the decision. I don't want them to have any input about the decision, but I understand what they're afraid of. So if, if what they're afraid of is infinite cost of you you getting paid by them to work for free forever for some client i get that that isn't sustainable so if you just say to them if it's like look um it's up to fifty thousand dollars that that you can invoice them on behalf of this client period then the client is now deciding how to spend those free dollars but there's still it's like free money they still have to make the decision you, you don't want the thing I would avoid with like the plague is do not let the platform approve what you're allowed to do. They can approve how much they're pay for, but they can't be involved in the decision. And if, if they're involved in the decision, right. Even if it's on a percentage basis, we'll cover this much like a health insurance provider, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then that's going to affect the client's decision. And now you've got a three way decision, which is six times more complicated. So, because then it's like, oh, well, they're only going to pay, you know, I'm the client. Well, we really want option three, but they're only going to pay 10% of that. So I guess we could go with option two because they're going to pay 100% of that. So we'll do that one instead of the one we actually want. Right. So you're saying in the paperwork, in the proposal with the three options, it's the number that I'm going to bring home. Yes. The, the full price. Yes. They choose based on the full price. Yes. And after that... I and the platform come back to them and say, the fact that you're part of our little club here means that you're going to end up with a 5% discount. Or they need, well, I think what you're saying is they need to be ready to pay full price. And then anything that they get off is a bonus. It, it, uh, is that kind of the way you're thinking about that's, it? That's not how I'm thinking about it, but that would be an approach. The thing that you want, I, I was what I was picturing was this, was that the uh, client and the platform have an agreement about how much call it bespoke project work the like a, just a cap $100,000. Yeah, I don't know if they have that. 
in their program at all. But that would be interesting to find. I doubt they do. Right. But what if they start seeing like a particular client really taking advantage and using Well, they'd set it? the cap appropriately. So right. and it would only be it would only be available. So they could say to the client, so the client sends in a thing, says, hey, we need some stuff. We, we want one of your experts. And they're like, this is perfect for Hannah. She's a genius at oh. getting inside the client and doing all of this great work to get them hooked on the platform, get them successful, get them loving it, uh, get them dependent on it, uh, creating switching costs, so forth, right? Because obviously, mm -hmm. obviously the platform knows that they're going to have competitors. They're going to be fast followers and they're going to be gobbling up market share. And whoever can capture this first exactly. batch of enterprise clients is going to be the winner. Yep. If so, so client comes along and says, we, we need someone and, and the platform is, they're identified by the platform as a very high value client. And they, whenever they have a high value client, they think of you mm -hmm. and the, and part of the, part of the, like nothing to do with you, the client and the platform have a conversation around the, you know, the client, sorry, the platform reaches back to the client and says, you know, um, Maybe this is on the website, or maybe it's done privately over email or whatever. Um, listen, we have this uh, expert network subsidy program where for a company of your size, we will cover up to $75,000, $10,000, $150,000, a million dollars in in project costs that you spend with Hannah. Mm -hmm. We don't care what you, we don't care what the thing is, but if you spend that money with Hannah and it has to do with our platform, she, you know, you, she, they, we will pay for it. We will pay her directly and you don't have to worry about it. Or we will pay her 50% up to the cap okay. or, you know, I, I kind of like that better. I like the, I like the percentage up to a cap because then yeah. they've got skin in the game from the very beginning. And it feels like a real, a real decision where if it's just free, it might not feel like a real decision. Right. So if they come up with that agreement in advance, in advance mm -hmm. of you actually sending a proposal, then it won't affect the decision. So when the client gets the proposal, it will have no effect on which which of the three options they choose right, because right. there's no other person, there's no like other shoe, you know, nobody's waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, well, what if, how much are they going to approve or fingers mm -hmm. crossed that it's a big amount? Mm -hmm. That that I think that would be the worst. I think, yeah. I think anything, I think not knowing the deal before they make a purchase decision will be really problematic. Yeah, no, I think I think that th this is super helpful for me and for them because I do think, you know, it, it's an environment of extreme trust and goodwill, mm -hmm. and it can clearly, as which is what prompted this conversation, it can clearly spin out of control mm -hmm. if you don't, and you only learn that it's spinning out of control when something like this happens. Right. So I'm happy to be the canary in the coal mine for them and say, hey, I'm not sure if this has happened somewhere else, but. This is what I'm finding. And for your benefit, how about? Yeah, exactly. I do think it's in their benefit. Yeah, for sure. It shouldn't be impossible for them to calculate either because they can look at, yeah, like numbers, yeah. Yeah, they can look at an IBM and say customer lifetime value for a company like this is going to be $40 million. So for us to beat the competition into, you know, and build a, mm -hmm. moat, a moat around this, this customer is worth a million dollars to us. And yeah. if they see you as the person to build that moat for them, then everybody's happy. Right. All righty, sir. <laughs> I, I am shocked that we actually you have came to something. Lunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, so this is so fascinating. Do, do they yeah. have just, just not to, I know, I know we have to wrap up, but um, do they have platform evangelists, which is another, 
another paid position that someone like you could be? They do. They they do have internally in their own four walls or have many global walls they have. They do have evangelists and, and you know all sorts of interesting roles and titles. It's a whole new world out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're definitely, you know, doing an outstanding job of getting their platform out there in the marketplace. Um, and and for good reason. It is it is a, a you know, like I said, a, a quite brilliant piece of software, mm. particularly in this hybrid world that we work in. I, I can't survive without it. And now my clients can't either. And it's quite literal. Mm. Um, so they're they're doing really well and they're doing it well. And then there's and they do take care of people like me who either through partnership agreements or through providing, you know, this particular client I have is on a different continent mm-hmm. in a in a you know industry I would have no real direct contact with except for their program. Mm-hmm. So it really is a situation where, you know, we're all moving up together in this new world. Yep. Classic platform specialization. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're so it's it's and it's great to be part of it. I really like I said before, I really do enjoy my partnerships with um, some pretty senior people at the company. So it's all good, but this one was sticky. And so I do appreciate you following up with me and, and helping me think through it. This is a, a very helpful construct that I can propose to them. Cool. You just send them the episode. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Exactly, exactly. In the Slack channel, I'm just about to open with it. But yeah, it's been um, very helpful. Very, very helpful. Thank great, you. Great, great. Well, I appreciate you being able to come on and uh, share that experience. It's, it's you know, who knows? Maybe it uh, will become more common, but it's the first time I've come across it. Um, that's what keeps us young, right? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. All right. Can you share your contact information or your website or something in case sure. people? Sure. Um, so my LinkedIn profile is under Hannah H A N N A H. Um, family name is Burson B E R S O N, and my website is saltcollaboratory dot com. Um, Great. How it's spelled. Great. And um, yeah, happy to chat to anybody who's curious about this setup. Fabulous. Well, thanks again. Thank you. All right, folks, that's it for this time. I hope you join us again next time on Ditching Hourly. Bye. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com call. Hope to see you there. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. 
If at the end of the call you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.